You are listening to the More Than Just a Club.com podcast, powered by FMG. My name is Glamb and I'm your host today. Joining me today is former politician and LBC Drive Time presenter and more importantly, West Ham fan and scenic holder, Ian Dow. Good morning, Ian. Morning, hi. It's, it's fantastic to have you on the show, Ian. As, you, as you're a new guest, I'd just like to start by asking you, uh, how, how did you get into sport in West Ham? Because I've heard it's, it's quite an interesting story. Well, when I was, um, how old was I? About 12 years old. Um, I, was, I think I, well, I supported Manchester United, being from Essex. Who else would you support, I suppose? And then they got relegated. And my best friend at the time, Roger Sizer, supported West Ham. So um, I thought, oh, I support West Ham then. So that that proved to be a very uh, good decision in the long term, didn't it? Well, it, it actually did. Because, I mean, let's face it, you have much more of an interesting time supporting West Ham than you would uh, Manchester United. Uh, well, I think so anyway. And never looked back, really. Never regretted it. And But it's funny how when I told this story for the first time a few years ago, I got such abuse from people saying, oh, well, you're not a real West Ham fan then because you didn't start by supporting West Ham. Well, I was 12 years old, for goodness sake. Yeah. But there we go. Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's, everyone has their different kind of... Some people are born in the area. Some people like the colours. You know, if, as long as it's... It, you know, it, people shouldn't really discriminate as long as you, you know, you love the club, which you obviously do. But but anyway, we'll, we'll get straight down to, to some, some more current issues. Obviously, ugly scenes off the pitch in in last Saturday's Premier League defeat to Burnley. You, you, as you you wrote in your fantastic article for the Evening Standard, you woke up that morning and and decided that you just didn't want to go to the game. Was you glad that decision in the end? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Because it's always good to see things firsthand. But um, I mean. <laughs> It, I got a lot of abuse from people for writing that article because they said, well, I, I was slagging off fellow supporters. Well, yeah, absolutely. I was slagging off those who misbehaved. And I, I don't see why anybody should be criticised for doing that. Um, it was quite clear from the TV pictures that um, a lot of people were wanting to vent their spleen at the board. Well, look, no problem with that. Anyone can protest how much they like, but I think that went beyond the bounds of acceptability. When you have David Sullivan being hit on his glasses by a coin, and people are even now questioning whether that actually happened. Well, are they saying that he made it up? I, I, I think that's ridiculous. And when you have... Um, both of the Davids and Karen Brady having to leave the director's box because of the abuse that they were getting, um, I think it's a very sad state of affairs. Um, yes, the media may have gone a little bit over the top in terms of describing four people getting onto the pitch as a pitch invasion, because it did sound from the radio commentary as if it was like hundreds of people that were doing it. Well, that clearly didn't happen. Um, but it was a very sad day for the club. Um, we, we've had these situations before. West Ham fans are not backward in coming forward at uh, venting their spleen when they think things are going wrong. Uh, and of course, um, lots of things have gone wrong. Lots of decisions have been made that as individuals we would have made differently. Lots of players have been bought that maybe we wouldn't have bought, we would have wanted others. But that, that's the joy of football, isn't it? We can have debates about who we should buy. We can have debates about whether we should move to the Olympic Stadium and how that should be configured and all the rest of it. Now, in the end, David Sullivan and David Gold have to be judged by the decisions that they make. I think it is terrible that people impugn motives to them, which I don't think are there. I do think 
uh, they are genuine West Ham fans. Certainly, David Gold is. Uh, I mean, he was as he constantly reminds us was born opposite uh, Upton Park. So, I, I think to try and pretend that they they are people just in it for the money, um, I think is entirely wrong. Uh, and if I were them, I think at the moment I would be feeling well. What's the point if these people think that we're in it for the wrong reasons? Well, let's sell up. But what happens when you get a whole load of people shouting sack the board? And they've got every right to do that if they want. But I I think they are not thinking it through. Because if we sack this board, if this board go and, and then sell the club, who do they sell it to? The likelihood is they would sell it to somebody from Russia, China, or Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, God knows where. Now, is anybody telling me that any new owner would care about the club in the way that the present board do? You may not like them. You may not agree with them on stuff. But but please don't think that there's going to be a, a land flowing with milk and honey um, afterwards because we've been here before. People have short memories. You look at what happened when Terry Brown sold up to the Icelandics. Well, that, that ended up well, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I was actually speaking to a Birmingham City fan the other day, funnily enough, and, and their fans, when, when Brady Gold and Sullivan were in charge, they, they had a similar process. And then in the end, the club got sold and, you know, look look what's happened to them. But, but anyway, the, just, just speaking about your article, it had a, it got a mixed um, reception. I, I find it quite funny on, on Twitter the other night when you um, when you changed, was it Ronald Reagan's famous quote, don't speak ill of a fellow Conservative, <laughs> made it into a West Ham fan. I found that, found that quite humorous. But, but just what have you made of the reception to the article? Look, I knew that it wouldn't get a very positive reception from a lot of the people who feel really strongly. Um, w- w- when I talk to... Um, a lot of my friends on other blogs uh, who write about this sort of thing. I, I was listening to one of the other podcasts the other day and that I appear on sometimes, and they they were all saying how disgraceful uh, the board are, they should go, and all the rest of it. And uh, they didn't mention my article, but it was kind of lurking in the background, I think. And, and, I, and I, yeah, I, I don't... I don't resile from anything because I think when you write an article like this, there's no point in being bland. There's no point in saying, well, on the one hand or on the other. And yeah, I I used words like sort of knuckleheads and whatever, which uh, I mean, well, I suppose you could say were in some ways were over the top, but you, you, you use words like this to make a point. And my point was, as I've said, that I, I think people have to think about the long term. Uh, we, we are not going to move from the London stadium. I mean, there is no way that we are... And I I read articles by journalists I really respect, like Henry Winter, um, sort of stirring the pot, saying, well, West Ham deserve a better football stadium. What does that even mean? Because it's a perfectly adequate football stadium. Yes, we are a bit further from the pitch than I would like, and I I hope in the long term they they can address that sort of bringing some of the seating further uh, closer to the pitch. It was never going to be per- a perfect stadium from the start, but people say, well, it's an athletic stadium, not a football stadium, because it had um, a- an athletics track around it. I don't remember people saying that the Olympic Stadium in Munich, uh, which was a fantastic stadium, wasn't a football stadium. That had a permanent track around it, and nobody said that was a terrible stadium. Um at the London Stadium, when we play well, there is a fantastic atmosphere, just as there was at Upton Park when we played well. When we don't play well, there's a terrible atmosphere. I mean, go figure. There was a terrible atmosphere at Upton Park. We we have these we see this through rose tinted spectacles, as if somehow the atmosphere at Upton Park was better 
uh, every game. It absolutely was not. There were some terrible games. I mean, I remember um, under Allardyce, where that was the only other time in my whole West Ham supporting um, period where I, I've ever thought about not ju- just not renewing my season ticket because I couldn't stand watching the football. I couldn't stand the atmosphere um, in the ground. Um, when we beat Hull 1-0 and he cupped his ear to the crowd, that was a terrible, terrible game. It was a terrible, terrible performance. And so um, nobody's telling me that sort of every single game had this fantastic atmosphere because it just did not. Now, Lond- the London Stadium is very different to Upton Park. You cannot actually compare the two in many ways. Uh, and it's a whole different match day experience. And yes, I would love to have the same match day experience as I had before. Go to Ken's Cafe before every game, buy my program from the same program seller, etc., etc. But in the end, if we want to progress as a club, if we want to be challenging for European places, that was never going to happen um, if we'd stayed. So I absolutely think the right decision was made. I think Karen Brady, whatever you think of her, she did an absolutely brilliant job in getting that deal at a rent of two million a year um and but she is she has become i think the focus for fan discontent i think if she quit tomorrow a lot of this would go i think she she is the hated figure rather than sullivan and gold in many ways yeah i think she she's the the scapegoat and and that you know you, you could attribute lots of different things to that but and you mentioned that that game against Old City. I can remember that game clearly. West Ham won that game through an own goal, I believe, where Hull defender James Chester Chester's uh, slice a ball into his own top corner. But no, you no, you, yeah, you're right there. That was a dreadful game. So, so do you think that that on Saturday, it, well, once West Ham had gone a goal down and, and the fans had reacted like that, it, the the way the way that a fan came onto the pitch and tussled with Mark Noble, do you think it was always going to be possible? for West Ham to come back in that game because of what had happened off the pitch at 1-0? Well, as I said in the Standard article, we have come back from 2-0 down and 1-3-2 fairly recently at Everton. So we know that it's something that we can do. Um, But that was never going to happen after that because players are human beings. If If somebody comes onto the pitch like they did and Mark Noble reacts in the way that he did, you're never going to be able to concentrate fully after that because in your brain, you're thinking, bloody hell, what just happened there then? And sure enough, Bernie go and score a second within a few minutes. And I don't think that they were ever going to be able to come back from that. Now, if the crowd, instead of getting on their backs, had actually cheered them on, I mean, who knows whether they could have come back? I I don't know, but I don't think it was ever going to happen after um, that guy came on the pitch. And I see on Twitter today that his dad has sort of issued a statement and said, oh, my, my boy's a Mark Noble fan and all the rest of it. Well, fine. And we all do stupid things. I've done stupid things in my time. Um, but you have to live with the consequences. And and I'm afraid what, what he did there... Uh, probably it could have cost West Ham one point, it could have cost West Ham three points. And let's hope at the end of the season we don't look back on that and think, well, thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the life ban in particular for that kind of offence, it's been debated after this, these kind of incidents. Do you think that is, that, for me, that's always been the way, you know, it's always been quite clear, even up to bars, if you go on the pitch, you'll get a life ban. But um, do you think that's a bit harsh? Um, in some ways I do, but it's very difficult, isn't it? Because I, I don't quite know how you enforce a, a ban in these circumstances because you can just get a season ticket under a different name. And, and unless you've, unless they, somebody dobs you in, 
I, I don't really know how they enforce that kind of thing. So, look, the guys, I thought he was quite old, but the guy's apparently only 19. And so I do, look, I... I'm, I do have a bit of sympathy, and and often people do things in the heat of the moment um, that they then live to regret. Uh, and the guy that that brought the um, corner flag on and put it in the centre circle, obviously recreating um, something that happened uh, during the bond scheme protest back in the early 1990s. Uh, that guy was 61. Now, I have le- I have less sort of um, empathy with him, I guess. And I think that there are some times when these things happen where people do it to make themselves look big with their mates and all the rest of it. And so I do think you you have to you have to have some sort of um, I'm going to sound sort of wet as a lettuce here, aren't I? But I, I just think life bans for that sort of thing are a bit much. I think if you're involved in fighting and violence, um, that's one thing. But this sort of thing, yeah, you can't encourage it. You have to have a deterrent. But I do think a life ban is is quite an extreme deterrent for that. Yeah, absolutely. Just just coming on to the stewarding now, it's it's clear that that this isn't something that that the club control. But but you you probably remember Upton Park. The second someone got onto the pitch, they were very very quickly kind of dealt with, and that just didn't happen on on Saturday. Do, obviously, there needs to be a massive improvement in in the stewarding. Do you think the club should should and I know they've 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 done this anyway, but do you think the club should take on the stewarding themselves if they can? Yeah, if they can is is a key word there because um, at the moment they can't and they they can ha- they may be able to have an influence on it, but that's about it. There were a thousand stewards in the ground. Now I don't know how many there ever were at Upton Park, but I don't think it was ever more than two or three hundred. Um, a thousand stewards. Now, but who were these people? Now, if you look at a lot of the stewards. They are 18 years old. Um, and I'm sorry, but you are not... If you have a relatively sort of thin 18-year-old stewarding, uh, is a sort of fairly burly 30 or 40-year-old really going to be able to be controlled by an, a, a thin 18-year-old? I don't think so. Um what you actually need, I think, are a lot more, shall we say, mature women <laughs> doing the stewarding because they frighten the life out of um, a, a lot of people, I think. And and I think – I don't know what training they get, but in the previous home game that I went to, what was it? Was it against Watford? I think it must have been. Um, I sit in the 1966 seats and I, it, I sit in the front row of the upper tier, sort of like on the halfway line. I call it the Royal Box, ha-ha. Um, and about 15 rows behind me, at some point during that match, two 50- or 60-year-old guys started fighting each other. And I sort of looked, everyone, of course, was looking. And you're thinking, on what planet is that acceptable behaviour in a football ground anyway? They're both West Ham fans. What on earth do they think they're doing? But for about four minutes, there was no steward that came. Nobody and it was actually left to people in the crowd to break them up and sort of calm them down. And you're thinking, well, if there are a thousand stewards in the ground, where were they on that occasion? Maybe they thought, well, it's the 1966 seats. Why should we bother stewarding those? Because it's just people with lots of money and or who are posh doing them. Well, they made a very, very bad mistake there. And, and these sorts of incidents seem to be breaking out all over the ground from time to time. Now, I don't remember that happening at Upton Park at all. In fact, I can't remember a violent incident anywhere near me in the crowd 
at all in 25 years of having a season ticket. So something has happened that that makes people think that it's that they can do it. And in the end, there have to be crowd control measures. And we can say all we like, well, these are adult people, grow up and don't do it. But um, if they are doing it, they've got to be stopped from doing it. And therefore, you've got to have the right people on hand to stop them from doing it. We don't have any police in the ground nowadays. Um, I think that's more their choice than ours. Um, I think at the Southampton game, there will be police in the ground. So it'll be interesting to see if, if that's any different. Yeah, absolutely. I think another problem is that at Upton Park, when you went to a game, it was it tended to be the same stewards in the same places. That they, they kind of knew who sat there and, and they knew how to control the crowd. But but anyway, kind of moving on from that, West Ham's warm weather trip to um to Miami for some warm weather training. It's it's been it's been ridiculed quite a lot, mainly because of those those pictures that have emerged of them kind of relaxing by the pool and on the beach. Do you think that after recent results, David Moyes should have still taken the squad to Miami? Um, I'm not going to criticise him for doing that. I think lots of managers take uh, teams away. We've had three weeks, or we we are having three weeks without a game. Um, I think it is good to go away sometimes. And I don't don't begrudge the players spending some time on the beach. I mean, for goodness sake, you, you don't train eight hours a day you couldn't train eight hours a day it would actually be damaging if you did so what are you going to do just stay in your hotel room and read a book I don't think so um so I've got no problem with that however and maybe um it was I didn't see the right pictures but I was a bit appalled at some of the physical condition of one or two of the players where Emmanuel Lanzini for example looked to have a bit of a gut on him and um one or two of the others you're thinking well you're supposed to be uh, peak fitness and y- you really don't look as if you are and I think that was worrying yeah yeah I'd, I'd agree with you there on, on your points about you know it was obviously they had a training session in the morning and there's nothing wrong with them then having a bit of time in the afternoon to to relax a bit but obviously that's that's always going to rattle some people just moving to, to on the pitch matters now do, do, are you a fan of David Moyes? Um, obviously, the last three games have, have kind of have changed quite a lot of people's perceptions, but do you, do you think he's done a good job so far? Well, we're so fickle, aren't we? Let's face it. Um, all football fans are. It almost goes with the territory. Um, I emailed David Sullivan um, shortly before David Moyes was, was appointed and begged him not to do it because I remember he told me ages ago, I think when they were recruiting Sam Allardyce, that they had looked at David Moyes then and he wanted five million, which in those days was like huge amounts for a manager. And um, he said, well, there's no way that we're going to do that. Um, and I mean, Moyes did a great job at Everton, but since then, let's face it, wherever he's been, he hasn't. Um, but I have been impressed with him. I've been impressed with the way that he's gripped the team discipline. I think they are um, they, they have displayed high levels of fitness and underbillage. You look at the running statistics during a game and, and that tells you a lot. Um, he hasn't been the uh, play the doer football that we might have expected. I mean, yes, there have been games when it's been absolutely abysmal, but there have also been games when you thought, yeah, he's actually getting a grip here. And if we if we were having this conversation a month ago, I think we would both be thinking what a great job he's done. Now it does seem to have gone to pieces a little bit since then. Um, but I I actually I have been pleasantly surprised by what he's done. I think um, there was a big failure not to get many people in in the transfer window in January 
I'm not sure that that was his fault necessarily. Um, they've got um, uh, Joao Mario uh, is really the the only one, and I think he's he's impressed moderately. Um, I wouldn't say he's been anything particularly special, but he's he's done a job. Um, but it's it's the defence that's gone to pieces over the last few games. I mean, conceding uh, 11 goals in three games, something is deeply wrong there. And you can blame it on, oh, well, we've had lots of injuries and all the rest of it. But all the defenders are sort of quite similar, aren't they, in some ways? You you, you couldn't really pick too much between Obona, uh, Reed, and uh, Collins. And then you've got, I mean, Cresswell, I think, has done really well coming into the back three when they when they play a back three. Uh, you've got Zavaleta that can fit in as well. You've got Declan Rice. So I don't think we've got bad defenders, but somehow they, they have played pretty appallingly. And I, I do think the, the goalkeeping situation isn't helping matters. Um, I, I've... I mean, Adrian, I think, in the last few games has not played well. And, of course, in the last game, Joe Hart um, also had a little bit of a nightmare. So uh, that hasn't helped. And I, I'm not sure how he's going to resolve that one. No, absolutely. Just touching on that goalkeeping point, it's something that does divide fans. In in your eyes, who who's, who is West Ham's number one? When they signed Joe Hart... Um, I thought that was a good signing because he he was England's number one goalkeeper. So why why would we complain when we signed England's number one goalkeeper? We didn't complain when we signed David James. We didn't complain when we signed Phil Parks, although he wasn't number one at the time, although he was the world's most expensive goalkeeper. Um, so I thought, well, that that's got to be that that improves. I mean, surely the the whole thing when you sign players in a transfer window. You always want to sign a player who's slightly better than the one that currently holds that position. And at the time, in theory, we did that. And Joe Hart, I think, was better. In With both players at the top of their game, I think Joe Hart would have, most people, most people would have seen as the better goalkeeper. But he certainly hasn't proved that this season at all. When he was in the side for the first couple of months, there were too many occasions when, as a fan, you would kind of, it was sort of squeaky bum time. You weren't confident. And if, of course, if you're not confident, his defenders probably aren't confident as well. And that therefore breeds uncertainty. Now, Adrian is a similar goalkeeper in some ways because although he is a brilliant shot stopper, shot stopper, he, he has rushes of blood to the head from time to time. And he lets in, I would say, too many simple goals. He, he saves, um, quite a lot of what you think might be certain goals. So you think, well, that balances it out. And you're never going to get a goalkeeper that is sort of 100%, are you? Um, And I think in the last few games, Adrian has gone back to the form that saw Darren Randolph replace him last season. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there with Adrian. There'll be occasions where he can make world-class saves, but then he'll just rush off his line and, and give away simple goals, important goals. But but every goalkeeper is going to do that. Do you, do you think that West Ham need to invest in a new goalkeeper in the summer? Well, Joe Hart's certainly not going to be around, is he, next season? So let's put it that way. Um, Adrian, I think Adrian can still be our number one goalkeeper. But if there was one that came up that you thought was better, well, then you go and sign them. I, I would have loved us to sign uh, Begovic in the, in the summer rather than um, let him go to Bournemouth because I think he is a top quality keeper. Um there are others that we could have had over the years that, but um, we haven't. So I think it depends who, who's available um, and who you can get and how much they would cost. Because goalkeepers traditionally haven't cost as much as outfield players, but at the moment um, they are fetching quite a lot. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just coming back for one question to to the border. I know that I know that you're you're kind of a, a support of them, and and I am I'm likewise as well. Overall, if thinking from when they they joined up in two thousand and ten, I believe, how would you assess what what they've done with the club? I think they when they initially came in, the club could have gone out of business. So. Um, whatever you think of them, I think you have to give them credit for for making sure that didn't happen. Um, that they maybe haven't invested as much as um, people might have expected. I think some of their transfer dealings have been absolutely appalling. Uh, I still don't understand how we can spend eight million pounds on Jose Font as a thirty four year old, and then a few months later he goes off to China for five million at a time when we are not exactly overburdened with defenders. Um, so I, I don't understand decisions like that. Um, I think I didn't understand paying twenty-four million pounds for Arnautovic. Have, having said that, he now does seem to have. Um, he seems to be repaying some of that money, and I, I, I like watching him. But I mean, the first under Bilic, he was appalling. Um, Andre Ayew, who on earth thought paying twenty million pounds for Andre Ayew was a good idea? Now David Sullivan will say, "Well, I only sign the players that the manager wants." Um, up to a point, because I think we all know that there have been players over the years that he signed because he wanted them, and some of those have worked and some some of them haven't. Um, and I think Bilic's uh, transfer dealings were, I mean, I think he wanted some of the right players, but also he brought in one or two players, and you think, well, did he really ever think they were going to work? And then, then he missed out on others that he could have had. Uh, I think the the whole William Carvalho saga, um, it was an embarrassment to the club the way that uh, they they dealt with that. So I, I'm not I don't sit here with rose tinted spectacles and I don't sit here saying that David Sullivan and, and David Gold have done everything right for the club. Um, but West Ham have never been a club that's been in the top six year after year after year, and that's what we've got to aim at. And when I hear people complain that, oh, well, we, we were sold a vision that hasn't happened. They told us that we'd be playing in the Champions League within three years of going into the London Stadium. Well, what would we like to Would we like to have a board that said, well, actually, West Ham have always been a mid-table team and, and we flirt with relegation from time to time. And yet, you know, that's what's going to happen for the next 20 years. Surely it's better for people to show a little bit of aspiration and ambition and say, well, this is what we're going to aim at. Now, just because we haven't got there yet does not mean to say that we never will. Um, I think West Ham, if you look at our squad, you look at the players that we've got and compare them to other teams in the Premier League, I, I think our natural position with that level of squad is around 8 to 12th. I don't think... I mean, we, we shouldn't be anywhere near the relegation zone, to be honest, but we are. Um, now, the, the, the question is, how can you then attract people to come to West Ham to take us up to what's called the next level? Well, they forget that we did do that. We we bought Dimitri Payet. And and had he stayed and we had taken got one or two other international class players to play with him, um, I think we would now be knocking on the door of the top five or six. But he didn't stay. Now, that wasn't anything due to Slavin Bilic. It wasn't anything to, to do with David Sullivan or David Gold. It was due to the greediness and outright disloyalty of that sort of, well, I mean... I I don't know about you, Payet was the best player that I've seen in a West Ham shirt that since Decanio left, and and he, and he would probably make a, any all time West Ham great team had he stayed. 
Um, and I genuinely thought he bought into what West Ham were trying to do. Boy, was I wrong. I've got an Arsenal supporting friend, um, uh, LBC. In fact, they're all Arsenal supporting people at LBC. Um, and he he was always saying, oh, Pyatt, look at his history. He'll never stay. And I said, no, 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 you don't get it. Pyatt really understands West Ham and he's really bought into it. Well, I'm afraid my Arsenal supporting friend was absolutely right. And um, if Pyatt had stayed, I think we would be in a very, very different place today. I think we would have two or three other top-class players there um, and um, we'd be talking about being in sort of sixth, seventh, eighth place and talking about sort of in two or three years' time being a top four club. Well, we're not there now and, and we probably won't be for the next two or three years, but surely that's got to remain the ambition. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, absolutely. For me, the, the Pyatt thing, it could have just been bad timing, but with, with the stadium move, because there was always going to be a slight drop in form and it was just that he didn't, maybe he didn't see the bigger picture, but... But like you said, it does boil down to, to him in the end. It wasn't really anyone else's fault. But but just moving into the final few now. Um, so it, it may be quite hard to say at this stage, but do you think that West Ham have, have got what it takes this season to, to remain in the Premier League? Yes, yes, I do. I absolutely do. If you look at the teams around us, there are worse teams than us. Now, in theory, they ought to then go down rather than us. But we, we remember back to the Glen Rhoda days and we went down with 42 points. So I, I can't rule out the possibility that we will get relegated. I don't believe we will. I think that we have enough games to turn it around. Uh, we probably need um, about seven or eight more points. Um, where you look at the games that we've got to play and you can see where they're going to come from. But of course, being West Ham, we often play better against the big teams than uh, the teams around us. So who who knows what will happen? We've got Southampton and then uh, Stoke not far away. We've got to get points from those games. And if, if we don't, we will then really be in the mix. Now, um, West Brom, I think, are probably already gone. Um, then it's between Stoke, Southampton, Huddersfield, Swansea, Crystal Palace, us, and maybe even a couple of others. Um, you, you, I think any team below 10th or 11th is, is probably in the mix at the moment. And we've got to believe that we can get out of it. And the, Well, it doesn't matter what we believe. It's the, what the players believe, and they've got to believe that they can get out of it. And I'll tell you what, though. If in the Southampton game we go 1-0 down... Um, the the result of that game will then depend on the fans because if if we get repeat of Burnley, um, I, I'm afraid uh, that will be that will be it. That the, the players' heads will go down, and they they the, the fans have got to get behind the team against Southampton. Whatever happens, whether we go one down, two down, whatever, let's not have a repeat of what happened against Burnley because we. we the players just will not be able to lift themselves if they haven't got the cl- the fans behind them. Yeah, abs- you're absolutely right there. So on on the on the basis of that, where do you think West Ham will finish it exact position wise? Um, I think we'll probably finish thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth, something like that. Uh, and I had thought that, given what we did uh, after around Christmas and afterwards, I, I had thought we would stand a good chance of getting into the top half. But clearly, that's not going to happen now. No, no. Just, I'm just going to finish with a kind of a personal curiosity of mine, and, and maybe of, of some listeners as well. Obviously, aside from you, it, without without name dropping, if you don't want to, is there is there much West Ham influence around Westminster? Kind of huge amounts. If you look at the um, number of MPs that support West Ham, you look at the number of um, political journalists that support West Ham. 
um, I think we we outnumber a lot of the bigger clubs. In fact, it's quite interesting that a lot of the political journalists that I know do not support the big clubs. Um, there's quite a lot of Crystal Palace supporters, believe it or not, in the in the political lobby, um, and there's certainly a good smattering of MPs on both sides of the house that support West Ham. So I think um, in the political world, we we sort of punch above. Uh, wait now. Obviously, on LBC, we don't really do sport, but I, I managed to get in a few mentions from time to time. I did actually interview David Gold um, on LBC once. I don't know how I got away with that because I'm sure nowadays they just wouldn't wouldn't let me do it. But uh, my my producer, every time I I start sort of even saying the word West Ham, I get a click in my ear, which means move on, stop it. <laughs> Brilliant. It's it's been fantastic to have you on today, Ian. It's been a great chat. If if any listeners want to listen to you, read your work, or follow you on Twitter, where should they go? Um, I'm on Twitter at Ian Dale. That's I-A-I-N-D-A-L-E. Um, I also do the West Ham Till I Die blog, um, which the Twitter feed for that is West Ham Till. Um, I'm on LBC 4 till 7 every weekday, on CNN every uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, although actually this week is at 11 o'clock because the Americans have put their clocks forward. And... Um, do various other sort of bits of political punditry. So, uh, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us today. And it's, it's been brilliant to have you on the show. No, nope, really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Um, thank you for listening to the morejustclub.com podcast. And we'll be back with another episode next Friday. Goodbye. Goodbye.